0: With the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select.
1: You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast.
2: It's almost that time. We're just a little over three weeks away from the 2018 NFL Draft, and we're breaking it all down here on the 103rd edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside Fran Duffy, Got a great show for everyone here, so we're going to get into the latest news and rumors regarding the Eagles and the entire NFL in our draft buzz. And I really like our Mr. Relevant this week, our good friend Dane Brugler from NFL Draft Scout. He just released his draft guide, so we're going to delve into that a little bit. Our pick six this week, Fran, six small school prospects who fans should get to know.
0: One of my favorite pick sixes of the year.
2: And of course, your questions in our draft mailbag. And if you have a question, make sure to rate or leave a comment wherever you listen to our podcast Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, and we will get to those questions. But let's get things rolling at the top of the show here in Draft Buzz.
1: Now it's time for Draft Buzz.
2: All right, everyone, some Eagles-related news to get things started here, Fran. The Eagles made a roster move. On this Tuesday. Yes, they did. Adding veteran linebacker Paul Warlow, native of Wilmington, Delaware, plays college ball at Delaware, unfortunately, to a one year contract. So, some more veteran linebacking depth for the Philadelphia Eagles. As they get ready for the 2018
0: season, a guy who's got plenty of starting experience in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, You know, didn't play a ton with Detroit last Mm -hmm. year, but uh, is a core four special teamer. Uh, Again, a guy who's got experience, doesn't force the Eagles now when they go into uh, this NFL draft in a few weeks. And this is what they've done so well over the last couple of years. You don't force your hand. You, you've got you know quote unquote fallback options where you know if they're unable to take a linebacker now, you feel good about your depth, and you, you if you wanted to line up and play uh, the week after the draft, they could line up and play. So uh, I think this move speaks to that, but it
2: also doesn't keep them
0: exactly, and that's the other that thing too. Either exactly. it's not like
2: all of a sudden now, wow, this take them out of linebacker at thirty two exactly or right in the third round, or the fourth round of the draft, I should say, since right now the Eagles don't have a day-two pick, but uh, the Eagles, their third move at linebacker so far this offseason, bring it back, Nigel Bradham, signing veteran Corey Nelson to compete on the outside, and now Paul Warlow added to the mix, so I think one of the question marks, and as we've even progressed through this season's podcast here on Journey to the Draft, I think we've said a number of times, linebacker was one of the question marks for the Eagles, so at least They've addressed it to this point. We'll see if they add some more youth to the mix in the 2018 NFL Draft. Now, let's get into some NFL Draft news. What do you make of the soap opera, let's say, between Jim Mora, speaking of former Falcons, former Falcons head coach Jim Mora, and Josh Rosen, one of the top quarterback prospects in the NFL Draft. Jim Mora making some comments on NFL Network first that he would take Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen and almost digging a bigger hole when further discussing those comments saying that Rosen is a millennial throwing that out there with all the so is every other player in the draft of course yes but with the negative connotation that 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 comes along with that you know that he needs to be told why and that he has a lot of interest outside of football, and if you can keep him focused, he's going to be a great prospect. But that's going to be the challenge for the coach.
0: And I think that's the the main part of it that I think would raise eyebrows. And you know, the fact that the first thing he said, you know, this was back NFL Network a few weeks ago, was you know, if you were the Cleveland Browns, what would you do, or how do you see the first pick going? And he said, "Well, Sam Darnold is the best fit for the Cleveland Browns. Instead of taking his guy, he goes with the the crosstown rival, the the, the biggest rival for his guy in the draft." It's just strange to me. Like, no one would have faulted him if he said, "Oh yeah, you know, Sam Darnold's really talented, but I got to go with my guy." Like, no one would have like blinked an eye about it, and no one would have thought any worse of him. But um, I don't know. I-, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, I the more I'm I listen to him and, ma- and the more I hear about him, you know, talking to people about him. Maybe I'm like drinking the Kool Aid on him, but uh, I feel like Josh Rosen's going to turn into a nice player, and I hope that he doesn't go to the New York Giants.
2: That's the thing. And as we start talking about the mocks and. A lot of fans might be like, well, the Eagles don't need to worry about the quarterback situation, and that's true. But that number two pick is sitting there, and we're all wondering, are the Giants going to get their guy of the future at quarterback? Are they going to take a positional player outside of the signal caller spot? Th- these are all some valid questions that are going to impact the Eagles down the road. But I do love how Josh Rosen has responded on Twitter You know, with one tweet that simply just said, why? Question mark. And that Got a lot of response, and then uh, his other one said opinions and things that are taken too seriously.
0: Yeah, that's you know, I'm not gonna go. I'm to me, I'm not making a huge big deal out of it. I do, I do think it's like it's a little strange. Um, But the more I look at this top five, the more I think like, okay, one, it seems like it's gonna be either Darnold or Josh Allen. I feel like if they stay put, it's gonna be Darnold it would be a shocker if they stayed put and selected Josh Allen like that would be that would be so so surprising and then to me at number 2 if the it seems like everybody's saying okay if if the giants can't get Sam Darnold they're going to trade back and they're going to take Saquon or Chubb or Quentin Nelson and whoever trades up to 2 takes Josh Rosen i'm a, i'm good with that i'm i'm good with Josh Rosen going to denver or or uh, buffalo, buffalo or miami or you know, wherever. just not New York. No, I'd rather him not go to New York. And then the Jets, I feel like it's going to be Mayfield. I feel like Mayfield's going to be a Jet. Really? Um, you, know, you go to four in Cleveland, and we'll see what they do. It's going, to be, it's going to be really, really interesting, this top five of the draft.
2: Why would a team like the Browns, any team for that matter, take Allen over Darnold? What would be the, the case for the <sighs> pro Allen people?
0: Well, because the, the other thing that people don't necessarily – you obviously are well aware of this, but like the – the The interview process is so so important, and so you know when and during that interview process, coaches and GMs and everybody, owners, they they all fall in love with a person. They don't fall in love with necessarily a player. You fall in love with a person. Um, and so if you've got two players that are graded pretty similarly, and you have one guy in the building, and, and remember, think about this, think about all the the uh, the interactions that a team is going to have with a player. You go back to Carson Wentz when he was drafted by the Eagles they You have scouts, obviously that are on the road during the fall and during the summer, and they meet with them, but then you go to the senior bowl, you meet with them at the senior bowl for you know an hour, hour plus the senior bowl. You go to the combine you get you get some more time, not just the formal but the informal at the combine you get to see them work out there, you talk with them on the field all that. Then you go to his pro day and you meet with him there. You may take him to dinner. You might go to lunch. You might you know have a couple of meals. Uh, you get to private workout. So now you get him in this in the unscripted workout and you put him through the paces and do exactly what you want to do. And you have your private visit at home. You know and you're on your campus for one or two days and you get some time there. You might visit with him again. Like there are so you're stacking hours and hours and days and days and at some point you're going to find out one of these guys is like your guy. And yeah. so that, that's the scenario where you fall in love with a Josh Allen over a Sam Darnold. I think when you're looking at based strictly off film, Darnold's a better prospect. So I think that's, that's the case.
2: All right, let's get into some of the mock drafts. Because right at this point in the process right now, it's top 30 visits, it's pro days. It's at. rat. Not, not too many rumblings are going on beyond the very, very top of the draft at the moment.
0: I'm so excited for the crazy rumblings to start. I love yes. the crazy rumblings.
2: The, the one thing I missed this year, yeah, and I think it's partly because he, I think he put it behind a paywall. Was the Bob McGinn yes hit piece yes, which the is always which is always the combine staple. That was like your you know Sunday or Monday of the combine. That was like you are going to breakfast, and that's what you are scanning through and seeing all the different comments. So,
0: uh, yeah, I have no question. That's a tradition that I, that
2: I certainly miss this year. So, going through the mock drafts. Okay, so we got five new ones. Okay, five different players. We'll start with Charlie Casserly, who has a thing for quarterbacks from NFL Networks. Yes. And Charlie goes with no selection. No selection for the Eagles. that they trade out. And it would make sense because you figure they want to accumulate more picks. Yep. No day two selections. So no day, two, no day two, in the, two selections at this point.
0: Right. How? Now you, now, you now you get your day two selection by trading out.
2: So that's the one option there. Next here, Josh Norris. Good friend from NBC Sports, Rotor World, goes with D.J. Moore, the Maryland wide receiver. And I, I want to ask Dane Bruegler, our Mr. Relevant this week. Oh, yeah. About him. He's a big D.J. fan. He's Moore a big fan, D.J. So. Moore fan. So, next up here. And wide receiver, you know, they added Mike Wallace. But, again, it's a one-year deal. It's not – again, it's a good temporary fix for the position. But do you have a long-term answer there on the outside? Peter Schrager for, uh, does a great job with Good Morning Football and NFL Network. Uh, has Jair Alexander. The Louisville corner.
0: Who in play Smuts. inside and outside.
2: So the versatility plus there. Uh, Mel Kuyper, in his latest, goes with a tight end. Player we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, so we won't get too much into him now. Small school wonder, Dallas Goddard.
0: My personal favorite tight end. out
2: yeah. South Dakota State. And uh, Lance Earline. last but not least, also from NFL.com, you know, does the, the analysis for 400-plus draft prospects here. Goes with Darius Geist, the very popular selection there at running back. Yeah, Number thirty-two. I, uh, surprised that uh, I see Josh Norris is full mock, but surprised that Norris doesn't mock him there.
0: Yes, uh, and like he he may have Geist going earlier, yeah, and that might be the issue. what I, would, issue. I, would, um, I would expect. I know he's been like pounding that drum in terms of uh, you know the Eagles Geist connection. But uh, what's interesting to me is we have five five names, five big names, and five completely different outcomes. Yeah. And That's why, like you know, I go into Wawa uh, over the weekend. Okay. And my guy at the w- at Wawa. Oh, you have, you have your guy? Oh, I've got my guy, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just I,
2: I go to the, I don't have a guy. Yeah, no, I've got
0: a guy. So Ky- yeah. Kyle goes to me. and goes, he's friend. What are they going to do at 32? And I'm like, I'm like Kyle, I have no idea. There's <laughs> just so many – it's not like last year when they're at 14. Yeah. And you know, you've got your list of names. Are, it's just so, – it's so impossible to, to kind of predict how this is going to go because there's so many different combinations. And chances are there's going to be a guy that falls that we weren't expecting. Exactly.
2: You're 32. Yes. I mean, I was asked the question, you know, during holiday dinner, Easter dinner. Oh, yeah, I have. Yep, no question. Family friend, oh, who do you think they're taking in the draft? I'm like, you know, my Uncle Jim, he's family friend. I call him Uncle Jim. They're 32. I'm like, you got, you got to tell me who's going in the first 20 picks. I'm like, I can give you positions where I think they could go, but in some ways, they're wide open where they can sit there and take the best player available because, as you said, they've filled up the holes to the point where if they have to play on Sunday, they can play and not have a you know, huge need or huge crevice that needs to be addressed. So that's going to do it for Draft Buzz. Now we're going to bring on our good friend Dane Brugler, who is this week's Mr. Relevant.
1: It's time for Mr. Relevant.
2: Our Mr. Relevant this week is relevant each and every week. It's not just during draft season because he does so much phenomenal work putting together an outstanding draft guide. It's our good friend Dane Brugler. You can follow him on Twitter at D. P. Brugler. You can find his work on NFL Draft Scout. And, Dane, you can certainly tell us where we can get the draft guide because we know you're pubbing it right now on your Twitter feed. And speaking of your Twitter feed, the first thing I want to get into is a discussion about nickel defenders in this year's draft class. Uh, some of the hybrid defensive backs. You know, everyone's talking about Mika Fitzpatrick, where he's going to fit in at the next level, Derwin James, and those guys are expected to go pretty high. But Justin Reed is a player who's in the conversation there as a late first, early, round, early second round selection, and there's been some mocks and discussion and rumblings that the Eagles could have an interest in him. Can, can you talk about some of these hybrid defenders and the value that the versatility brings and how you sort these guys, and if there's another one who you're in love with? Who should be in this discussion as well at the top.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the nickel position is something that uh, is basically a starter in today's NFL. I mean, we, we've we talked about that at length uh, over the years, how the NFL has evolved on defense and with the offensive packages, guys that can cover but are big enough to hold up and uh, run support, but guys that can play inside, uh, just the versatility is, is key. And I think it's, you know, a lot of times. Guys aren't traditional outside corners. They're not traditional free safeties, but they might be an ideal uh, nickel defender. And for me, uh, a guy who I think fits that, that mold is Rashawn Golden mm-hmm. from Tennessee, uh, who isn't that traditional outside corner. He's not that traditional free safety, but you put him in as the nickel defender, and that's what he played at Tennessee. Uh, I, I think that's what fits him best. I, you know, He ran a 4-6-1 at the Combine, you know, disappointed with some of his athletic testing, but the play speed is there, the toughness is there. Uh, I think a lot of people might know him best as the guy that Gave the, the double-burst salute to the Alabama fans uh, after that kick return for a touchdown this past year. But this guy can really play. Uh, you, you watch the tape, and you get excited about uh, you know, what he does the blitzer, what he does uh, in coverage, what he does against the run. Uh, so I think he's a guy to keep uh, on the radar. Maybe he's not uh, in the back end of round one, but in round two, I think he makes some sense. And then you mentioned Justin Reed, who... I think we'll be in that conversation to be a late first round pick. I grade him as more of a late second, but I think his value on draft day is going to be in that late first. Uh, you know, we know about the bloodline, his brother, uh, Eric Reed, a former first round pick, top 20 pick. Uh, he's not the, you know, Justin Reed's not the same enforcer that his brother is, uh, but I think there's uh, there's reason to be encouraged about what he can do at the next level. Uh, and I, I, With him, when I watched him, I saw a solid player. I didn't see a special player. I think the issues in coverage is really what got me uh, kind of on the fence with him. His first reaction is to grab. uh, His footwork is an issue at times when he's playing man to man because he played a lot uh, in the slot uh, covering in man to man. So you know we see a lot of that. And he did a lot of good things as well. I mean, he had five picks this year. Uh, I think he had 11 passes defended. uh, Tested really well. Uh, I think better than a lot of people thought the combine. So with with Justin Reed, I think in that late first discussion, I, again, I see a solid player, not a special player, but uh, you know, you can win with guys like that. And so he would make sense uh, at pick number 32. Dane, one
0: of the the things I like about this class is that it seems to be really deep in that area, right? And like those sub package, those inside defensive backs, whether it's a a big safety, you know, a big nickel or your traditional like slot corner. And I think when you're talking about either players that we project with the ability to be able to do that and that are going to go high, like, you know, obviously a Denzel Ward, a Jair Alexander, uh, Dante Jackson, Mike Hughes from Central Florida, Nick Nelson from Wisconsin. A lot of those guys I think are you're, we're probably talking in the first couple rounds that have the ability to play both inside and outside. But then I look and I, I go to the middle rounds and the late rounds and – like I love DJ Reed from Kansas State, you know, Duke Dawson from Florida, MJ Stewart from North Carolina, uh Taryn Johnson from Weber State, Parry Nickerson from Tulane. Like you go down the list and you keep going, and there's just so many of these guys that I think have not only the ability to play in the slot, but have shown at the college level that they can do it at a high level. Is there somebody from that, that second tier or third tier that really stands out to you guys that, you know, maybe you saw at the senior bowl or that you've watched on film that you really like?
1: Yeah, you and you just threw out uh, you know five six great names that are in that mix, uh, and I'll, I'll put another one in there: Avante Maddox from Pitt, who is undersized at five, nine, 184 pounds, but the guy can fly. Uh, he's a 4'3 athlete. Uh, the initial burst is outstanding. Uh, the you know he's undersized, and that's that's going to ding him because I think he also plays small on film. But with that speed, uh, his toughness, and he's very productive. He had double digit passes defended uh, each of the last three years. Uh, for Pitt and so you know we're not talking about I don't think he's a top 100 player but if you're looking for that mid-round guy that fits that position uh, that makes a lot of sense and then uh, you looking at the safety position uh, a guy that I, I think you know has shown on film that he can handle those nickel responsibilities uh, Tracy Walker from Louisiana who I don't think gets enough love I he's in my top 100 uh, you watch the Texas A&M tape He's a big reason why Christian Kirk had only like 34 yards in that game. There was a lot of time when they were matched up man to man, and he did a nice job against a Texas A&M wide receiver who's likely a top 50 pick in this draft. So I think those two names, uh, you know, I don't know if, the, if either will go in the top 100, but early on day three, I think both would be would provide excellent value at that position.
2: Dane, I want to go to the offensive side of the ball with the pass catchers, in particular a wide receiver. There's a guy who. You have in DJ Moore over the consensus, I would say, atop the wide receiver class in Calvin Ridley. I know you've been banging the drum for more on Twitter. What are the reasons for uh, him being your top receiver in this year's draft class?
1: Well, actually, I do have Calvin Ridley as my number one. Uh, I have Calvin Ridley uh, as my 11th overall player, and then I have DJ Moore as my 14th overall player, so they're very close. Uh, but I, I do love DJ Moore quite a bit. I, I, he's a guy that I, I had actually had a scout tell me to watch him back in probably October. and so I really started to hone in because the scout told me he was definitely coming out as a junior and so I, I started to do more work on him and it just I was blown away how impressive he is. Uh, and then you know he was the, the rare athlete who was actually taller and faster at the combine than any of us expected coming in at six foot even, uh, running a 442. Uh, in the 40 yard dash. Uh, now, I don't think he plays like a 442 athlete. He's more like a 447 athlete, which not a big deal. I mean, he's still uh, an impact player, and I, I can't help but get Steve Smith vibes when you watch him. And you know, I'm talking about Carolina, former Carolina Panthers and Baltimore Ravens, Steve Smith. And I don't say that very lightly uh, we're talking about a, a possible Hall of Famer here. But that's the type of vibe I get from watching uh, DJ Moore's tape. He's physical. He's tough. He's a very good route runner. Uh, yards after the catch because of that power. Uh, and the I, the reason why I think some teams will prefer DJ Moore over Calvin Ridley is DJ Moore is 20 pounds bigger. Uh, and so in terms of durability, in terms of breaking tackles, uh, that's really going to help him. Uh, and you know I know Calvin Ridley is probably the better route runner at this point, but DJ Moore is not far behind. He is an above average route runner as well. So I think. Uh, both guys are in the top 15 for me. I think both will end up going in the first round. And when you look at his production at Maryland, catching a pass from eight different quarterbacks uh, over his career, uh, it just that's something that really stands out. He led the Big Ten in receiving this past year for Maryland, who uh, you know went through a, a carousel of quarterbacks just this season alone. Uh, so for all those reasons, D.J. Moore is uh, deserving of a top 20 pick this year. And I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up going that high.
2: My apologies on the rankings there, Dean. I thought you had uh, more there at number one. The big thing is as long as we're not getting the Steve Smith that played in Philadelphia very briefly, I think all would be fine with the fans here in Philly. But just sticking with the receivers real quick, how many and who do you expect to go in those first two rounds, let's say, because it seems like Moore and Ridley are pretty much there to be first-round picks. After that, you hear some names like, you know, you know, Christian Kirk has been mentioned. Cortland Sutton has been mentioned as a potential first-round pick. Who else do you think could be in that first round, and who do you think will hear their name called on, uh, you know, early day two at the wide receiver?
1: Well, I, I think there's two receivers in this draft too, because I, I think Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore, as much as I love them, I think they're high-end number two wide receivers uh, in the NFL, and that's not uh, a negative necessarily. I think there's only you know twelve to fifteen true number one wideout in the NFL. Um, and I'm not sure Calvin Ridley or DJ Moore will be in that discussion, but I think they're high-end number twos, uh, which, you know, can be very valuable for a team. I think there are two receivers in this draft who have the potential to be a true number one receiver for a team. You know, the Julio Jones, the A.J. Green, that type of mold. Uh, and that's Cortland Sutton and Equaminia St. Brown. I think both are in that top 40 discussion. Cortland Sutton, uh, he – Performed a lot better at the combine than I think a lot of people expected, uh, especially in the short area agility drills, the short shuttle, the three cone. And so the biggest the big issue with Cortland Sutton is his routes. Uh, when you watch him on film, he's not getting open. You don't see him sink and explode at the top of the route. Uh, it's really going to be tough for him to uncover against NFL level corners when he can't do it in the AAC. But when you look at the offense and what he's asked to do at SMU. Uh, I just I don't think the route tree was emphasized. Um, I don't think, you know, that, that part of his game was really emphasized. And so what he did at the combine is very encouraging because it says that he has the athletic ability to do so, to separate in short areas. It just comes down to muscle memory and being able to get it down and become that route. And so and that's the, becoming a better route runner at the NFL level is far from a sure thing. And so for that reason, I think he's going to be discounted somewhere in the top 40 picks. Maybe he goes late first, maybe early second. Uh, but I think Cortland Sutton has the potential to be a true number one. And then St. Brown from Notre Dame, uh, a, a guy who is built really well, at almost 6'5", he's 215 pounds, he's a 4'4 athlete, uh, another guy who needs to develop more of the route tree, but uh, you know needs to get a little tougher at the top of routes, use that size to his advantage. But the, just the raw skills you get excited about, he's only 21 years old, uh, 33-inch arms creates that big catch radius. He can help you out at every level of the defense, uh, from short passes to deep. Uh, so I think those two uh, guys keep an eye on them. And then the top senior receiver in this draft to me is Anthony Miller uh, from Memphis, who uh, ran today. Actually, he had a foot injury in the bowl game, so we didn't get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl. Couldn't see him at the combine. He was able to run today, put in some good numbers, thanks in the four fours. Uh, jumped really well. I thought 39-inch vert. Uh, for Anthony Miller. So those are great numbers. But a a guy that a former walk-on, the production's off the charts, broke Isaac Bruce's records at Memphis. Uh, It's hard not to watch, or it's hard not to like Anthony Miller when you you watch him, uh, everything that he did in that offense. So I think Anthony Miller is deserving of top 40 consideration in this draft as well.
0: So, Dane, obviously, if, if NFL teams agree with that assessment that, you know, a Cortland Sutton or an Equinemia St. Brown could become a true number one, we could see them be uh, surprise first round picks. Are there any other players that every year there's always those surprise names that go off the board earlier than we expect in that first frame? Are there anybody else? That, is there anybody else that we should be aware of you know, from that respect that could surprise us and go off the board in the first round?
1: Uh, well, I think DJ Chark, you know, keeping with wide receivers, uh, you know, this guy can fly. And when you're 6'3", 200 pounds, and you run uh, in the low four threes, uh, you know, we saw it with Will Fuller a couple years ago uh, from Notre Dame, went uh, in the top 25 to the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, if you have the ability to create explosive plays, and you might be a one-trick pony, but if you're really good at that one trick, then teams are going to value uh, what you can do and what you can offer. And so, D.J. Chark has a chance with his ability to stretch out the defense, uh, get behind the deepest defender, uh, and create that, uh, that possibility of a big play, you, you might have something. And it's, it's tough because at LSU, uh, you know the quarterback play was up and down. Uh, you know, he had several drops. He was very inconsistent, unreliable. But when he was on, when he hit, uh, I mean, it, was, it was awesome. So that height, that length, that speed, that blend is something that's going to – some teams going to fall in love with that. And take DJ Chark in a top fifty, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up going top thirty-two.
2: So, Dane, you you work down in Frisco, Texas. You you know a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, you know they're sitting there at number nineteen, uh, just from an NFC East standpoint. Where do you see their biggest needs, and what direction do you think they go early on in the NFL draft?
1: Well, in a typical Cowboys fashion, they're uh, adding some. Lower price free agents uh, in need areas so they can try to go best available when they pick at 19. Um, you know, they're going to look at, if you look at the top 30 visits, because uh, that's the Cowboys, they draft their top 30. And one of those top 30 is who they're going to draft. They're looking at the linebackers. They're looking at Leighton Van Der Esch, Rashawn Evans. Uh, you look at the um, offensive guards. They're looking at Will Hernandez. Uh, you look at uh, some of the safety, some of the linebackers. Uh, they're looking at all these guys, wide receivers. They're bringing a lot of wide receivers, uh, with from Calvin Ridley to DJ Moore, uh, Payne, Vita Vea on the defensive line. They really like. So I, it, any of those directions would not surprise me. Last year, they were locked into a defensive end in the first round took Taco Charlton this year. Uh, I, they could go in a lot of different directions here. I, right now in my mock draft, I haven't taken Leighton Vanderesh, the Boise State. Uh, linebacker, a guy who, to me, is an ascending player, is getting better and better uh, the more reps he sees on the football field. I think he's a possibility. Uh, you know, with uh, uh, Jalen Smith, you just don't know what's going on with him as, uh, as the Mike. You know, Sean Lee's he's entrenched as the will. But, uh, you know, Sean Lee hasn't been able to stay healthy for 16 games uh, in a season. So uh, adding more linebacker depth makes sense, especially with uh, Anthony Hitchens now in uh, Kansas City. So I think linebacker is a possibility. And then don't rule out defensive line because they, they traditionally do not take uh, one technique or the, you know, the nose tackle position early, but they will if they think that player has three technique or under-tackle uh, traits. And you look at Vita Vea, you look at Jerron Payne, you can make a case that both those guys with their quickness, with their athleticism, they have some of those under-tackle, tech- or, uh, under-tackle traits. And so I think both those guys are in the discussion at 19
0: two players that I would just hate to see end up in Dallas are Dayron Payne and Leighton Van Der uh, so I would hate to see that happen. One last question for you, Dan. Uh, we're getting ready to review some of our favorite small school guys in this draft in the next segment. Uh, we're going to hit on some of these bigger guys like the Dallas Goddards and the Darius Lawrence, but are there some really under-the-radar small school guys that have you excited, maybe that, like, that next-tier uh, players that, you, that we probably aren't going to me- mention in terms of the non-FBS guys?
1: Oh, yeah, there always are. And, you know, this year uh, I, I really like uh, cor- a couple corners from smaller schools. Uh, Tremont Smith from Central Arkansas, uh, he's a guy who's getting a lot of love in league circles right now. Uh, he ran a 4-3-2 at his pro day. Really good ball production at 15 interceptions over his career. Uh, he has return value as well. So Tremont Smith, corner from UCA, uh, a name to keep an eye on. I um, I don't you know Mike Ford from uh, southeastern Missouri another one, uh, another corner and then I don't know you know middle Tennessee not a uh, it's, it's an fbs program, but I still think uh, you know goes overlooked a lot of times some of their uh, some of their players uh, charverius Ward, uh, a big you know six one, 200 pound press corner uh, tested really well. He had a four 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 40 yard dash. So I think those are a few of these corners you know because we know, uh, you know a lot of the uh, you know, cornerback it's, it's, it's the one position where the testing numbers can get you drafted. And so for a lot of these corners, even if you're a smaller school guy, if you go out there and you have the measurables and you run uh, you know really good time and you can impress, you're going to you know because especially when we get to the late portion of the draft, fifth sixth, seventh round, a lot of times teams are going to draft you based on, OK, can we get this guy as a priority free agent or is he going to we're going to have a lot of competition? If we're going to have a lot of competition, we're, we're going to take him in the seven, maybe over some other players just to, to guarantee that you get him on your roster. And so some of these smaller school corners who are testing really well uh, during the process uh, wouldn't surprise me if uh, they get pushed into a later portion of, of the draft because of these, these testing numbers. Dane Brugler.
2: Again, you can follow him on Twitter at D.P. Brugler. Dane, where can fans find your NFL draft guide?
1: Uh, yeah, on Best Ways on Twitter, uh, I have it pinned at the top, the link. Uh, it's an automatic PDF download. Uh, I, I fight the bosses every year to keep it under 10 bucks because I want to make sure that it's you know, easily accessible for everybody. Uh, there's 450 uh, Skyrim reports in there, and there's over 1,200 names, uh, players that I've, I've ranked overall so it's, uh, it's, it's a resource that I know a lot of, uh, a lot of people use religiously on draft weekend, uh, not only just for the first round of the top guys, but into the later portion of the draft, the smaller school guys, and uh, you know maybe some guys you don't know much about. So hopefully uh, people pick it up and they enjoy it.
2: Congrats on it. Can't wait to pour through it myself. And uh, thank you very much for joining us here as this week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to Draft podcast
1: now it's time for pick six
2: now pick six and as we alluded to in the previous segment with mr brugler six small school prospects and uh friend why don't you start things off here actually let's start off with i feel personally there are not as many small school guys to get excited about this year but
0: uh i have a theory on that okay my theory is, is that since we got a late start to it because we were occupied with something more important uh, that maybe the small school guys haven't had the opportunity to climb into your into your eyesight.
2: That's a good one. Um, there, there have been. I mean, there's some, and I, we've discussed some yeah. of these players. on and the Yeah, we'll podcast. discuss a few brothers. Yeah, I, I feel like the cream rises to the top, and I just don't know if there's as much cream.
0: So I, I year. love the small school. Like I, I remember even going into like when we were like prepping in case we were going to the senior ball, thinking mm-hmm. like, man, there's. It seems like there's a lot of small school guys in the in this class, and we'll, we'll talk about six here, but. I mean I I had trouble picking my three because okay. I, I could have g I could have picked like ten that I felt like you know not even just like oh yeah I know who this guy is but that I've watched and studied and I'm like, yeah, this guy's an NFL player. Um and the first one is Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State and, and yeah, he is a big name and uh to me he grades out as my number one tight end in the class. I have Gasicki ranked ahead of him because I think Gasicki's upside is a little bit higher. Um, but Dallas Goddard to me. So who's your number one then? I mean, Gesicki is the number one, but he great, but he doesn't like. I think Goddard is a better player right now and will have more success early on, unless Kasicki goes to a team that is able to kind of leverage his pass catching and you know be able I'm, to. I'm work trying for fans,
2: clarify because you say Goddard's your number one. Gra-
0: Goddard but, great. So like I mean, you know how like my stuff works. So like, I know, you, I, I know, sit, you there's know. There's Two <laughs>
2: desks that separate where we sit. You know every day, but. Not for everyone out there. Yeah,
0: so. I mean, Goddard to me, uh, you, know, you watch him, and I, I think that his all-around game speaks for itself. He, he's not a, a great blocker. I don't want to sell it as if he's like you know this this mauler at the point of attack. But uh, he, number one, he was used in that role more than Kasiki, and he's got the ability. Uh, to me, he shows a little bit more willingness, a little bit more potential there as a blocker. Um, I love everything that both of those guys do at the catch point. Uh, I think that Kasicki's a better athlete. But I think when you look at Dallas Goddard, you know, you're you talking about the complete package in terms of size, hands, ball skills. I think he's a, a developing route runner, probably a better route runner overall than Gasicki is. He, to me, I, I look at both guys, and I think they're, they're really good players. Um, but Dallas Goddard is outstanding, and, I, and I'm a big, big fan of his. I think he's going to be uh, a really good starter in the NFL. Not
2: to go off track here, but where does Hunter Henry fit in the discussion for you among the tight ends?
0: You got your you got your database right in front of you. Yeah, so, well, maybe. Hunter. Oh, you mean Hayden Hurst? Hayden Hurst, yes. Hunter Henry. I was like, oh man, we're we're Hunter, stacking stacking oh, years, we're years on years back, here. So, uh, Hayden Hurst to me, double H is so. I think Hayden Hurst to me would be like three or four, um, and it just depends on what you want. Like I I love Ryan Izzo from Florida State, but okay. Izzo Izzo is a is a really good blocker. Uh, and offers more, you know, in terms of receiver, he's like an intermediate. You know, he's got solid hands, but he's not going to be like a guy down the seam, yeah. whereas Hurst you can do a little bit more with. So depending on what you value, I think they're, they're, they're graded in the same tier for me. It's just a matter of what you want. So
2: what's your rankings there?
0: Kaseki Goddard as one and two. Izzo, Hurst, and Schultz are all grouped together in one tier, uh, and it's a matter of what you're looking for. Gotcha.
2: Uh, my first guy, we've talked about him on the podcast before, Nate Shepard from Four Hayes State. Uh, comes from north of the border, started his college career as a linebacker at just over 200 pounds. Well, now he's 6'4", 310, and has had 22 tackles for loss in the past two seasons. So, uh, phenomenal showing at the Senior Bowl. And he's on, I think, pretty much everyone's radar at this point. A great story in terms of getting here uh, to this point. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands in the draft.
0: He's he's a guy I'm excited to do more work on. I was really intrigued with what I've seen from him so far. He's not all the way there yet, obviously, but a guy that's got really high potential. I'm excited to watch more. Um, one guy who I got turned on to back in the summer, uh, I had somebody tell me, hey, you need to make sure you watch this kid before the season. And, uh, I had a chance to watch him, and I really liked him, and then watched him again this year. and is a really fun player. Is um, linebacker, Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. Uh, he's 6'2". He's 234 pounds. He's got freakishly long arms. He plays sideline to sideline, a four-year starter. I don't want to get too deep into the scouting report, Chris, because it turns out he is my scouting report for this week on the Eagle Eye oh. in the Sky podcast. But I'm a big fan of this kid. I, I really like the way he plays. I think he's got uh, three-down potential in the NFL. Uh,
2: my next guy, I wanted to go somewhere – along the offensive positions, and I found Rock Thomas, uh, Jacksonville State, former top recruit, uh, was Alabama's Mr. Football, the Gatorade State Player of the Year, Uh, started his college career at Auburn, uh, ended up at Jacksonville State, and this past season had over 1,000 yards rushing, but also offers something uh, in the past game, over 20 catches, Uh, 5'11", 193 pounds, he's more of a change of pace, Type back, but the physical talent is there. Uh, it's just a matter of finding a team that's going to want to utilize him in the right role.
0: Yeah, uh, I, Rock Thomas is an intriguing player in what is a deep uh, running back class, so it'll be interesting to see how high he goes. Uh, one more guy I'm going to mention in my last one is a player I mentioned briefly when we talked with Dane. Uh, Johnson, Taron Johnson from Weber State. Uh, 5'11, 192 pounds. He mm-hmm. played outside or inside. He was a three and a half year starter for the Wildcats out there. Uh, Two time All American. He was the big sky defensive MVP this past season. Um, what I like about him is his competitiveness. you know he 's a guy who is just relentless in the way he plays he 's very instinctive uh, reminds me I wrote down the guy that he reminded me of was Cortland Finnegan, who was a uh, okay. long time player of the Tennessee yeah. Titans and then the Tampa Bay bucks he 's got that edgy style uh, about him, and I think that he projects really well to the inside in the nfl i think he'll be a really nice slot corner uh not a size speed guy i mean again under six foot he's five eleven. uh he's ran 4 5 so not terrible but mm-hmm. he's not an explosive athlete i think tyron johnson projects really well to the slot i'm a big fan of his game
2: uh, my last guy here you know we've talked about the quarterbacks ad nauseum well there's one that is going to be available on day three who could be of intrigue and that's kyle Lawletta out of richmond uh going to mention Rich- Richmond because of Joe Douglas. That's his alma mater. Uh, but the all-time passing leader for the Spiders, 73 career touchdowns, had a 65% completion uh, rate this past season, was the CAA's Offensive Player of the Year. So someone who you get him in the right system could be a nice developmental prospect for a team.
0: I like that. I, th- and again, I could have kept going uh we talked we were talking off camera a little bit uh Alex Kappa from mm-hmm. Humboldt State definitely could have easily been in this group and I think he could be he could be a day two pick you yeah. know much like uh the kid from uh Hobart a couple of years ago who went to the Bucks, yep. um whose name is Ali Marpet, Ali Marpet yes uh Alex, Alex Kappa I think could be taken in that same in that same slot um you look at uh, you know Brandon Parker the tackle from North Carolina A&T there's Small school O-line and small school corners, like Dane had mentioned earlier. Mm. Those are the two areas. Receiver as well, Doris Fountain from uh, – what school did that kid go to? He's another guy. I I actually haven't studied him yet, and I'm really excited to because everybody seems to like him um, because he went to the Shrine game, I believe, and tore it up down there. Do you
2: like the pen slot receiver at all? yeah justin watson uh
0: i so i've watched him because um i watched him before the 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 shrine game in case we ended up going down there uh he's a big kid who who moves pretty well and he lines up in a couple different spots so uh he is interesting he catches pretty much everything that comes his way was extremely extremely productive at the ivy league level i mean 40 starts almost 300 catches Mm -hmm. crazy um justin watson is intriguing but uh yeah, no, there's there's a lot of small school guys in this class. I, I'm, I'm excited about some of these guys. Opening my eyes as this goes from pick six to pick ten. Pick ten, yeah. pick 16.
2: It's going to be the Baker's Dozen That's soon, right. soon enough. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Pick Six. Now to your questions in our draft mailbag.
1: Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag.
2: Final segment here on this week's episode of the Journey to Draft podcast. Your questions in our draft mailbag. And
0: we're, we're getting a lot more questions from uh, Apple Podcasts. So it's the easiest way to guarantee you're going to get on the show. Just go to Apple Podcasts and comment.
2: What if someone leaves a one-star rating but has a question?
0: I'll probably still, probably still put you on the show.
2: I don't know if I want to I mean, to I wouldn't that.
0: recommend it. I'm not going to say go do it. Exactly. Maybe we so. won't put you on the show if you do that. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll still thank you.
2: Well, first question from Apple Podcast comes from Luke Campbell, ninety nine. Uh has a few questions here. So it's actually not just one here, but I'll start with the first one here. The odds are that Ronald Jones falls to thirty two, who's a good pro comparison for Ronald Jones? And if the Eagles do take a running back at thirty two, does that hurt jgi's future with the team?
0: First part I would say there's a there's a Pretty good I chance of Ronald there. Jones is Seems there. Like he's yeah, I be would there. say it's almost certain that he'll be there, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine that three go in the top thirty-one. Picks. I mean,
2: Barkley and Geis seem to be the two who are going to be in the first round. Right. I mean,
0: even Geis could be there.
2: Yes, Geis has a possibility right. of being there, so.
0: My, especially with the, the the injury with Ronald Jones and all that. I mean, it's not like a big long-term injury, but no, uh, it's just kind of like an out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So Jones uh-huh. should be there. Jones should be there. Good no. pro comparison. Everybody compares him to uh, Jamal, Charles. Jamal Charles. That seems to be the, the working comparison. Are you on board part. with that one? Though. I That's... could see it. I could see it. Some, I, I can't say that I watched him and was like, oh, man, he's Jamal Charles. Yeah. Um, but I, I could see it. I see You know, from the explosive speed and all that, the ability to get to the edge, you can impact the game as a, as a receiver as well. I, I could see that. Um, and then the third part, no, I don't think so. I don't think it hurts it hurts his long term future because they just play they just won a Super Bowl with three backs so uh, now I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna draft one in the first round and then sign Jay Ajayi the next day to a five year deal That's but the thing. but they could easily he could easily still be here for the long, you know for the long term yeah like,
2: it, it just becomes a matter of. Would J.I. J. want to be part yeah, well, that's of a running back by Kamei? It's sure. one thing if you're, you're, he's traded here on a rookie contract. He got out of a bad situation in Miami, comes here, wins a Super Bowl, and fit in with the locker room, loves Deuce Daly. But if you use a high draft pick on a running back, you have Corey Clement who showed so much promise as a rookie, Obviously, I think t- for him would be questions, and he probably would be thinking, "I want to be able to cash out on my next contract." I don't know if that would happen here in Philadelphia. If you're devoting a first-round pick type resource to the running back position, yeah, like so. I said,
0: I don't think it's going to be like, "Oh yeah, they're going to draft him," dra- you know, draft our Ronald Jones or Darius Geis, and then the next day sign Jay, Jay to, a, no. to a multi-year extension. But I don't think it's like precludes them from being able to keep him. It doesn't. It, you
2: have a whole year to see how this exactly plays out. All right, next one, write him left a comment as well Um, as I'm reading through this here. So, Albert Breer's latest mock draft had the Eagles taken Isaiah Oliver from Colorado with players like Darius Geis, Mike Kosicki, and Will Hernandez still on the board. Who would you pick in that situation?
0: Uh, Well, who would I pick is different from what, you know, we don't know what the Eagles would do. Um, I guess in terms of, like, pros and cons, I mean, we've talked about it with the running back spot, right? Yes. Like, the with Geis or Ronald Jones, I think it's the same kind of deal. Uh, if you view Darius Geis as the guy that's going to keep you at the at the Super Bowl contending level um, at the running back position, and he'll be your featured guy and all that, then I think you, you pull the trigger there. Mike Gesicki, same deal. I think Mike Gesicki, honestly, and I would say the same for uh, you know for Dallas Goddard. He might be. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about like who are players that might be good too good to pass up. Yeah. Kasiki might be a guy who's like if he's there at thirty two, which a lot of I think a lot of fans like think oh, oh there's no way he's there. Like I think I think there's a pretty good chance. Almost, almost I haven't yeah, exactly.
2: I haven't seen too many mock. No, there's not though.
0: a lot of mock but I think after the the combine workout everybody's like, oh he's not gonna be there at thirty two. Is it the Penn State buys? No, well, there's that too. Um and, and then well, Will Hernandez.
2: That's another one where you look at the Eagles right now yep. and you say, All right, starting five, you're good for two thousand eighteen. Isaac mile is a wild card because you use a third round pick on him a year ago. Struggled this season was utilized in, you know, as a sixth offensive lineman, but didn't really hold down that starting left guard spot like I think everyone expected him to. Then you figure okay, maybe he's the future center, but Jason Kelsey's coming off an all-pro season, the best year of his career. So, where to say Mile fit into the mix, I think is going to be a question, but going back to would one move preclude you from doing another? Well Hernandez might be a guy who you could say, "Okay, with Snuski's your starter left guard this season, does Hernandez become your starting left guard in 2019 and beyond?"
0: The only th- thing that works against Hernandez, I think, is that he's he's a guard only. I don't know that any people that anyone is where I know that I think he may have taken some snaps off to the side at center uh, at the Senior Bowl, but he's, Martin, he's, he's, a, guard. he's, a, guard. he's a guard. So. Um, you know, it's not like Wisniewski where he's got the guard center uh, versatility. It's not like Say Mala, who's got he's got the ability to play all five spots along the line. Um, that's that kind of hurts him a little bit, I think, cause because to me, if you're taking Hernandez, you're taking him with the intent that he's going to start right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I that, and we don't know. Maybe maybe he would. I don't know, but uh, that would be the one thing against him would be what is his versatility like? What is he going to do outside of being able to just play guard?
2: And Isaiah Oliver, does he have nickel experience? I don't believe not he ton, does. No, yeah,
0: no. I think based on matchups because he did shadow opposing number one receivers at times this year. Um, so at times he would follow guys into the slot, but he's not. To me, I don't look at him and say like, yeah, he's got slot corner ability.
2: I'm just trying to think of where does Oliver, yeah, fit where does into he fit a in term mix? Because okay, same thing. We talk about jJ Ronald Darby is going to the last year of his rookie deal. Now you obviously use the two on Sidney Jones, and I think the Eagles are hoping that he. You know, breaks through and becomes a you know, big contributor in his second year in the system. Use a three on Rasul Douglas, who was a huge help for the defense yep. until while Darby was sidelined with the ankle injury last year. Of course, you still have Jalen Mills. You've traded for Daryl Worley. The, the question is who's going to be your slot next year with Patrick Robinson moving on to New Orleans? And I think you also have to start thinking about do any of these corners factor into the long term plan at safety? No question. Where maybe, as you look at Jalen Mills and you're like, well, maybe Jalen Mills is our corner for 18, but maybe he starts, you know, phasing into the picture at safety in a couple of years. So that's why a lot of people are wondering why are so many people mocking a cornerback to deals when they've invested so many resources and really overhauled the position? That's probably why. So so it's not so much just a slot thing because you would love to find a guy like Jair Alexander who could go and play in the slot tomorrow for you. It's who who are going to be your starters down the road.
0: Here. It goes into the, the Lido Shepherd, Sheldon Brown here. Yes, exactly. Uh,
2: the last one from Apple Podcasts here, Matt ESQ, uh, talking about some blocking tight ends. Who are some of your favorite late-round options? He loves Ryan Izzo. So you guys, you know.
0: I love it. I just, I just had a chance to watch Izzo for the first time in a long time. Um, or not sorry, the first time ever. I shouldn't say the first time in a long yeah. time. Uh I, I really liked him. He's re, he, I love his play personality. Uh, he wants to get after defenders. Uh, practices good technique. Keeps his hands tight. He runs his feet on contact. He plays a good pad level. Uh, he's strong. He's got the ability to block defensive ends one on one at the point of attack, both in pass protection and in the run game. Not just in the ACC, but they played Alabama this year. They played Florida this mm-hmm. year. They play Florida every year. So you see him against SEC talent as well. Uh, I I'm a big fan of Ryan Izzo now you got to gauge the the value there because he's not a pass catcher first. Can he catch the ball? Yeah. I mean, he's he's got the ability to be productive in the passing game, um, but he's not a downfield guy in the passing game. He'd be a short and intermediate threat. So, you know, that's going to affect his value. But in terms of being a football player, I, I love Ryan News. That's why I was mentioned earlier with stacking him with Hayden Hurst and Dalton Schultz, like – Izzo is a better blocker than all three, but he's probably the worst athlete of the three. So you just have to take that into it's account in terms want. of what you want. What exactly. You want position, so. um, but I'm a big fan of Ryan Izzo. In terms of other guys that block, um, Dalton Schultz, I, I, do, I think you know he's a little bit smaller. He's a little bit leaner, um, but he gets after people. He's a good blocker for Stanford. Uh, Tyler Conklin, again, he's a little bit short in terms of he's 6'3", he's 254. He's, he's more like if you were to draft Tyler Conklin – I think he's doing more of the things that like Trey Burton did this year in term from a blocking standpoint um you know Troy from the guy just all the guy does is just give effort uh i I love Troy from Mugali from Wisconsin I don't think he's you know necessarily a starter at the next level, but the guy's really, really competitive he's a good route runner he's got good hands, he catches everything he's really tough i I, I love that kid Ian Thomas is another guy that uh, blocks at a pretty high level as well so there are some options there in terms of block, you know, quote-unquote tight ends that can block. Yeah.
2: It's going to be interesting if the Eagles do pull the trigger and select a tight end. If a bunch of these guys are on the board, who do they select? Right. You know, and what do they value because you might say we're probably saying right now they need a number 2 in the mold of Brian Selleck, okay? But is that that's good for what you're trying to fill what you had in 2017? Is that what you really need long-term? So right. that's that's going to be fascinating for what the Eagles do from that standpoint, or if they, I have to think they're going to pick a tight end at some point here. At some it's, point, you'd think, yeah, you know, that's probably that's one of the positions where you look at the roster right now and as it as it's currently constructed and say that's a spot they're going to need to address at some point. It's just a matter of when are they going to address it. Uh, so that's our three questions from our podcast. We have two from Twitter here. At Open Veins UK uh, wants to know any chance whether Leighton Vanderesh or Rashawn Evans make it to the Eagles at thirty two. So just hearing Brugler talk. Yeah.
0: Vanderge seems like the one it, it's not as likely. My my guess is that and I would love for him to be there. My guess is he won't be. Yeah. He would be to me like if he's there at thirty two, like that would be a surprise.
2: Evans, it seems like, will I think be there's there. a, I think there's,
0: there's a solid chance. chance. There's a better chance. I, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent like we talked about like Kasicki and like some of these other guys, like uh Ronald Jones. Like I think those guys are certainly going to be there. Yeah. I think Evans could go earlier, like, you know, the team like Pittsburgh or something like that. You know, yeah. right before the Saints, you know, there's teams ahead of them uh, that I think could take them. Um, but I think Evans is more than, more likely.
2: All right. Our last one comes from at Marcos, LA 11. Why are so many people, we've actually kind of addressed this. Yeah. Why are so many people mocking cornerback to the Eagles? It seems like they are only referencing the Super Bowl.
0: I think you can hit the nail on the head a couple All of right, questions I think now. we pretty
2: much said it there is just because what's the future at the position? Yes, the talent's there now, but. Where do these guys fit into the long-term plan? Plus, they still need a nickel cornerback.
0: So, off that topic, real quick. Okay. So, when I was at Temple, one thing and I know that college college teams do this, and I'm I'm sure NFL teams do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you have what's called a flow chart. Okay. And so every year, and it was more done for like understanding who you have on scholarship. So, so you have it for the next five, six years, seven years, and you're able to look and say like, okay, 2018. So in this next season. Here's where we have a quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, you know, straight down the line, all your positions, and then what it looks like in 19 after guys graduate and what it looks like in 20 after guys graduate. And you start to see, okay, in a couple of years we're going to start to be thin here and we're going to start to be thin here. We need to start thinking about uh, making sure we go a little bit extra in scholarship offers, you know, this position or that position. NFL teams are thinking, if they don't, even if they don't physically do that, they're thinking about it the same way. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, right now you know, you look at the corner group and you say, yeah, they're 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 good right now. They can line up right now and play. They may look at it and just like you said earlier, like if you know Ronald Darby's going to a contract year, is Jalen Mills a, a future safety? Is Roswell Douglas a future safety? Uh, you know, that, then that starts to change the numbers a little bit. And now you may look at it a little different.
2: So great questions, and again, please leave a comment, rate wherever you listen to our podcast. Whether it's here on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles app. So that's going to do it for another edition. Special thanks, as always, to BT, our man Brian Thomas, behind the glass, for making it sound just okay. <laughs> Some, <laughs> <That's> lo- <good>. <laughs> <laughs> Some love to uh, Dane Brugler for being our Mr. Relevant this week. Again, make sure to check out his draft guide. I, I'm i actually going to download it. I can't wait to get into it yep. myself. So, Fran, any uh any parting shots before we say farewell?
0: It's, uh, what are we, 26 days 23 away? days. Ugh.
2: 23 days. And we've actually been mapping out the final podcast. We
0: already. have. We, we know what we're doing the next three weeks. I know. We're not going to tell you guys yet. We've got we to gotta leave some element of surprise. I mean, if you've been listening to this point, I guess you're like a diehard. Because yes. you think we've wrapped the show.
2: Certainly. So, This is. <laughs> this is where we need to have like... The secret code. All right, so it's get-
0: Greg Cosell next week. <laughs> <laughs> we've got yeah. we've got uh we've got good things, good plans coming.
2: No, I'm looking forward. These next couple weeks are gonna be a ton of fun. Uh, but you know, we actually we should get dra- some draft party tickets to give out Ooh. to fans on the show because right. I know that they go, they're available. I won't say on sale; they're free on Thursday the 12th, a week from Thursday. They're gonna go fast, okay. So, I think we got to figure, we got to save some for the loyal listeners. We got
0: we to gotta work that out with legal.
2: We definitely have to make that happen. <laughs> but either way, we, we, we will make this happen in the next couple of weeks. So, for Fran Duffy, for Brian Thomas, I'm Chris McPherson. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Journey to a Draft Podcast.